Good day, ladies and gentlemen. So glad that you are with us on this beautiful, wonderful Monday morning as we continue to think through God's Word together, especially the letter to the Romans by the Apostle Paul. Hey, Lewis. Hey, Megan. Good morning, M. Sands. Keith, good to have you with us. Ken, Edgar, good morning there in California. It's a great day, isn't it? It's a great day. So, uh, we're going to talk today, uh, Romans 1, 26 and 27, if you've ever had to debate with another believer about homosexuality, which, you know, of course today is uh, just, you can't get away from it. Uh, and if you've ever even discussed the idea of same-sex attraction, I think you'll find today's text helpful. There seems to be this, uh, this view among some that the, the, the sin is the act itself, but the desire can't be helped. There's a, there's a whole group of Christians that have bought into the idea that this can't be helped. Well, we'll see what the Apostle Paul has to say about that. Before we get into the text, though, uh, if you are a Cross to Crown partner, you should have received an email, uh, assuming you've set up an account and everything, uh, you should have received an email on Saturday from me uh, inviting you to our first Cross to Crown Partners online discussion that'll be a week from today so uh if you didn't get that email let me know and i'll uh, send it to you but if you did i hope you can join us one week at uh, 6 30 p.m my time that's mountain time uh a week from today on monday so if you are a cross the crown partner thank you for your support and uh, we'd love to have you join us for that discussion we're going to talk about romans home fellowships anything else you want to talk about as time allows so join us for that uh, M. Sands says, uh, M. Sands, Emily, right, says, uh, no, not yet, but I'm dreading it, especially when having to discuss it with my young son one day. Yeah, I can, uh, I can appreciate that. Well, um, maybe today's uh, lesson will give you at least some, uh, some way to frame this in your mind. And it's coming for all of us. If you haven't had the discussion yet, you will. All right, so the context here, remember, is Paul's writing to this uh, this group of Christians in Rome. He has not been to Rome yet. He doesn't know these people, but he's writing to this church in Rome. And he says, I'm eager. I'm willing. I, I want to come and preach the gospel in Rome. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. And remember, we've been asking this question, what is it that we need to be saved from? He doesn't say it in that verse 16 of chapter 1. He just says it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. Jew first, also the Greek. Well, why, Paul, is it the power of God for salvation? For in it, that is in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith into faith, just as it is written, the just shall live by faith, quote there from Habakkuk. And then he says, for the righteousness of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness of men and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So the righteousness of God is revealed or made known and the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Present tense terms there. So we've been walking through this. And remember, uh, Paul said that, that man rejected God. 
man looks out at creation and he, he knows there's a creator. The order of things, the, the, what we call the laws of nature, the laws of physics, all those kind of things, those, those are not just abstract coincidences or scientific laws. That's God in an orderly way uh, causing the, uh, the things of the universe to function the way they do. That's, that's God's doing. And Paul says, man looks at this and he knows there's a creator. He knows there's a being in control of all of this. And yet he suppresses that knowledge. He doesn't want God in his thinking. And his motive is unrighteousness. So he pushes down. Remember we talked about the, the ball in the, in the pool that wants to, you, you push it down and it wants to come up. He, he pushes that truth down that God exists and he exchanges the glory of the creator for the glory of the creature. And instead of worshiping the creator, he worships animals and other made things. God is not made. and They don't worship the unmade God. They worship made things, things that, that man himself has created or even things that God created worshiping the the creature rather than the creator. Uh, So we have, as a response to this, God, there we go, God gave them over. We see this phrase three times here in Romans 1. God gave them over in the lust of their hearts. Verse 26, for God gave them over to degrading passions. Verse 28, as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind. So think about that. God says, okay, if that's how you're going to play it, you're going to deny my existence even though I am obviously here. I am obviously the creator. You're going to deny me and and you're going to worship the creature? Fine, I'm going to give you over. I'm going to hand you over to those desires and those thoughts. And it's going to lead to awful things. Verse 24, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity. So they have these desires. And this is uh, the word epithumia in the Greek. There's thumia is a word for desire. And it adds this prefix to it elevating it to a really strong passion, a a, a strong consuming desire. Now that's not inherently evil. We have all kinds of strong desires and and it doesn't mean they're all uh, evil, but you know what happens, right? When you have a passion and a yearning that becomes very strong and if it's set on things that are sinful, that's where you get into trouble. He gave them over to lusts of their hearts to impurity. He didn't give them over to a lust for righteousness, (laughs) but for unrighteousness. So that their bodies would be dishonored among them. What does that mean? So God's response to denying him is giving them over to these strong desires so that their bodies 
would be dishonored among them. Well, what does that mean? How do we dishonor our bodies in our lust for impurity? Well, let's read on. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Literally, it's the lie. Had the truth of God, the lie is uh, these four-footed animals and things they bowed down before. And worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, because they worshiped the creature, for this reason, God gave them over. There's that word again. He, he handed man over to degrading passions. This is not exactly the same word as the previous one for desires. It's not epithumia, but it's, a, it's another word for, uh, it's sometimes used for suffering. Uh, there's an intensity there, right? Intense suffering. In this case, it's an intense desire, a passion, we call it. This, by the way, side note, this is why um, if you saw Mel Gibson's uh, film uh, from years ago on uh, on Jesus, the, the passion of the Christ. Well, that doesn't mean his desire. Passion there is is an old word for suffering. So it can go either way. But the idea is the, there's an intensity there, right? The, the kind of suffering that Jesus experienced on the cross was, was certainly not mild. It was intense. Well, this, this yearning, this desire here is a, is a passionate one, equal in intensity to something like the cross. Well, what are these degrading passions, these dishonorable yearnings and desires? They're women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. What he's talking about here is sexual passion. Women exchanging the natural function, meaning the natural sexual desire, which is for a man. They exchanged that. So just as humans exchanged the worship of the creator for the worship of the creature, God gives them over, kind of a, almost a tit-for-tat kind of thing, and says, all right, I'm going to give you over to your, your passions, to impurity, and now you are going to make an exchange as well. You've already made one exchange. Now you're going to exchange your natural desire, the woman's natural desire for a man, and pursue an unnatural one. Literally, it's against nature, contrary to nature for a woman having now a, an unnatural craving for a woman. In the same way also, the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men committing, literally, the shameful act and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. What's a penalty? It's a consequence for breaking a law, for doing what is wrong, right? If you're playing hockey and you break the rules, you go in the penalty box. These people, he says, are receiving in their own bodies, in their own persons, the penalty that is due them. So 
I don't know if you've ever, again, as I said at the beginning, if you've ever had these discussions with uh, Christians or non-Christians alike who claim that the Bible doesn't say anything about homosexuality, or at least the New Testament doesn't. Oh yeah, it might have been true of the law of Moses, but we're not under the law of Moses anymore, and the New Testament doesn't mention this. Well, first of all, it's just wrong. It does mention it. First uh, Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 mentions it. Now, granted, the Greek word is not homosexual. That's not, that's not, that, 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 that's not the word there. The Greek word is a male man better, <laughs> which uh, is actually a little more graphic, isn't it? But here in Romans, it's unmistakable. It doesn't use the word homosexual, but it is very clear what he's talking about. In fact, again, he uses uh, more specific and explicit terminology. Women who have abandoned the natural function for that which is against or contrary to our nature. Men abandoning the natural function. You see that? In the same way, men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in the desire toward one another. Men with men committing the shameful act. I don't know how you get more specific and explicit than that. This is, this is far more clear than simply the word homosexual. It's men with other men burning in their passion for one another, committing the shameful deed. So think about the implications of this. Man rejects God, exchanges the creator for the creature. God gives them over to dishonorable desires. And one of those dishonorable desires is what we call same-sex attraction. And obviously, same-sex action. When a man desires to have sex with a woman, or a woman desires to have sex with a man, if they're not married, that's sin. And it's significant sin to want it and to do it. But it is natural desire. That's how God set it up. That's how God created the world to work. Just like if you jump out of an airplane, God designed the world to work in such a way that you're going to fall quickly to your death. Now, if you put on a parachute, then you're working with the quote-unquote laws of nature, right? We figured out that parachutes can, uh, can keep you from falling at uh, such a rate that it'll kill you. But if you don't have a parachute and you jump out of an airplane, the way the natural, if you will, if you will the, the way God designed the world to work is you're going to fall to your death. In a similar way, the man's desire for a woman, a woman's desire for a man is natural. 
Now, again, if it's outside the context of marriage, it's still sin, but it's a natural sin. It's a sin that is still working with the world as God designed it. There's nothing more natural in the world than a teenage boy, for instance, starting to notice girls who are attractive to them. Their body, a, a boy's body, has a natural reaction. Uh, I remember, you know, walking through this, talking through this with my son. Uh, this is this is why you have this uh, bodily reaction. This is God made this. This is good. This is fine. You just gotta guard your yourself until you get married. But the natural reaction is exactly how God designed it to be. And women have a, a similar reaction. Women start nosing boys, right? Uh, sorry, girls start nosing boys. <laughs> women start nosing men. That's all natural. As long as you don't pursue it outside of marriage, it's all fine. The desire itself is natural. It's God-given. But it's to be focused on your spouse. Right? You know that, right? Same-sex desire and action is unnatural. That's what he says. The women exchanged the natural use or natural function for that which is contrary to our nature. God did not design the world for women to sexually desire women any more than he designed it that a person can jump out of an airplane and go up. Could you ever in a million years imagine someone jumping out of an airplane and going up? No. That's not how nature works. Nor is a woman supposed to have a desire for other women. Or a man have a desire for another man. And they're not supposed to act on those desires either. This happens because God gives them over to degrading passions and they exchange the natural for the unnatural. And then they commit the shameless deeds and they receive in their persons the due penalty of their error. So two things I want you to get from this. Number one, leaving the context of Romans here for a minute. I just don't understand why there are Christians that will tell you that same-sex attraction is not sin. As long as you remain celibate, they will say, as long as you don't act on those desires, you can't help those desires. And so same-sex attracted men, for instance, just have to live with the fact that that's how they are. They're just not allowed to act on it. What's fascinating, as I've had discussions with people about this, is when I ask them, okay, a guy is married and he is sexually attracted to another woman, is that okay? Is, so we, we've created this category of same-sex attracted. What about adultery-attracted men? Is it okay for a man to have adultery attraction? 
pedophilia attraction? Bestiality attraction? No. Everybody would say, if you have a, an attraction to a woman you're not married to, you must kill that desire because that desire is sin. The desire itself is sin because she's not your wife. And to want to practice pedophilia or bestiality or whatever, that's all sin. Don't, don't let yourself go there. You need to kill those desires. And yet when it comes to same sex, we've bought into, it seems to me, uh, this lie that you can't help it or you're born with it or whatever. And it's just something you got to live with. You just can't act on it. But here, Paul says the burning desire is unnatural and a result of God giving you over to degrading passions. So I would say any desire that is contrary to what pleases the Lord must be killed. You've got to kill it. You've got to, you, you've got to seek to destroy it and say, this is sinful desire. I need to quit. Ken says, I think in today's society, kids are even groomed and educated by the world to make them think evil is good and good is evil. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the whole agenda. I call it the perverse al alphabet. Uh, the whole agenda is to uh, bring, uh, to, to tell people this is natural when the Bible says it's unnatural. And if you can get them early on in their uh, a, uh, childhood, then... Uh, you know, you see the explosion of, of uh, LGBTQ, whatever, uh, kids and the percentage of people who identify as those. Uh, there's no way. I mean, it's just it, it, it correlates to the amount of media attention, if you will, that they get. Um, Peter says, can any of us stop thoughts coming into our heads? Uh, no, but what you can do is immediately grab that thought and say, this is sinful and seek the power of the Spirit to get rid of it and overcome it. What about the desire? I'm talking about the desire. Sure, all kinds of thoughts come in our heads, but desires, we must mortify, kill those evil desires, and same-sex attraction is one of them. Yes, Ken says we're no longer under master sin. We'll get to that in chapter 6 of Romans, will we? Jason says, as Luther reportedly said, you can stop a bird from lighting on your head, but you can you can't, sorry, you can't stop a bird from lighting on your head, but you can stop it from making a nest, right? Uh, so the desire manifests itself in a thought and you say, this is wicked, Lord, forgive me. And now you, you put that off and you put on pursuing what is right. If you're married, you put on thinking about your wife. If you're not married, then you uh, say, Lord, help me uh, keep my thoughts and my desires pure uh, until I am married. All right, so back in the context of Romans, remember this section started, God is revealing his wrath from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth. And this leads to God giving humanity over to degrading passions which leads to the desires and the sinful acts of women with women and men with men. See that? So I think 
as we've talked about, what does it look like for God to reveal his wrath, present tense, I think it's this handing over or giving over to sin, which of course is just piling up more judgment. So he says, all right, you want to live like this? You want to live in rebellion against me, denying my existence? I'm going to let you go with it. And I'm going to give you over to unnatural desires, which will then provoke even more wrath from God. Uh, Jason says, if you're If you hand over your desires to the Lord repeatedly and pursue God's desires and thoughts, desires will change. I'm living proof, as are many others. I used to love a lot of things that I hate now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And again, we will see that more clearly in uh, in Romans 6 when he talks about we are dead to master sin. We're alive to God. His spirit is at work in us. He is renewing us. He's he's reforming our desires. Uh, if you abstain from habits and, 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 and put off, there's this put off, put on uh, idea throughout the scripture. Uh, absolutely, your, your desires can change uh, and will change. It's good. All right. Uh, think about that. Tomorrow we will see that uh, uh, same-sex attraction and sin is not the only result of God giving mankind over. There's uh, plenty more, which as we look at these these verses and compare them to uh, what's happening in our nation today, you think, hmm, could be, uh, could be something going on there. All right, have a great day, folks. We will see you tomorrow. Take care.